Welcome to Chabad Inspiration and to another session of Tanya Inspiration based primarily on the writings of Rabbi Shneir Zalman, the founding father of Chabad. The story is told of a young boy during World War II. He was approximately 10 years old at the time. His name was Beidish Spinval. Beidish and his family escaped Galicia, relatively not far from Poland, to escape the Nazis who were invading and looking to wipe out, God forbid, every Jew in sight. And they ran as far north as Siberia. In Siberia, unfortunately, both of his parents passed on and his older siblings unfortunately disappeared as well and the assumption was that they all perished in World War II. Before his father's passing, his father said to him in Yiddish, which was the language that the family spoke in those days, and he said to him in Yiddish, Mein Kind, Ich bedir, vergessen, I'm asking you, my son, please don't forget me. Always remember me. After the war, Beta Spinval was an orphan, and he was on a kinder transport with many, many, many hundreds of Jewish children who were sent to the Holy Land of Israel to begin a new life. Many families, communities, and organizations were there to welcome them. But to try to say this in a positive way, there were also those who had an unfortunate ideological agenda, and they wanted to take these children and raise them deliberately away and removed from any trace of Jewish heritage and tradition. Unfortunately, in many cases, they were successful. And a lot of these children, indeed, who came from a traditional Jewish background, lost much of their Jewish practice and identity. When Betish arrived to this particular institution, they asked him, what is your name? So the child answered, Betish Spinval. They said to him, Betish Spinval, that's an old-fashioned Yiddish-sounding name. Beidish means a bear, and spinvol in Yiddish means to spin wool. So they said to him, you know what, let's transfer this to modern Hebrew, and we will call you Dov Tzimri. Dov means bear, and Simri means Tzemer, which is mine. Tzimri, my wool, similar a little bit to the name spinvol, and please go on living your life as Dov Tzimri. The young child said, look, I have nothing left for my family. I came alone as an orphan. The only thing that I have left is my father's request, mein Kind, ich bedir, My child, I'm asking you, please don't forget me and remember me. He said, that's all I have. So I'm asking you, please don't take away, the, away from me the one thing that I have from my father. And they let him go. And he remained with his name. Unfortunately, over time, Beta Spinval lost much of his family's Jewish practice and heritage. And he grew up to be not somebody who reflects the continuation of his family's legacy. He got married. 
He had a child, he had a baby boy. And Lagba Omer came around. And Lagba Omer, as we know, especially in Israel, the Holy Land, where the great sage, the author of the Zohar, the great Tana, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's resting place is in Miron, in northern Israel, in the Galilee. About a half, less than a half hour actually from Tzvat. So he decided to go for the barbecues and the dancing and the music. He'll take his son along to see Jewish festivities. But he didn't bother going inside to the place where the actual resting place is, where the Jews pray, where people come from all over the world actually. Many hundreds of thousands come on the day of Lag Baomer to participate in these festivities at the request of the great sage himself, Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai, who requested on Lag Baomer it should be celebrated as a day of his accomplishments and achievements and so on. It's a holy day, a day of miracles. And while he was there during these festivities, unfortunately, the young child got lost in the crowd. After a while of looking for him, he hears an announcement over the loudspeaker system. If there's any representative here of the Spindwald family, please come and pick up your child from the front stage. As he made his way over, there were thousands of people, and he had to make his way over. It took some time. When the father finally made his way over, way over, when Badish made his way over to the stage and he collected his son, a fellow walks over to him and he says, Excuse me for asking you, but what is your name? He says, My full name is Badish Spinval. He says, Can I ask you where are you from? He says, We were originally from Galicia, and then we ran during World War II to Siberia. Unfortunately, I lost all of my family, and I came here as an orphan, and here I am with my child. He says to him, tell me something, did you have any brothers? And he tells him the names of his brothers. He says, but what was your older brother's name? He says, my older brother's name was Shimon Yossel. Shimon Yosef, which is in Yiddish, it was, it was known Shimon Yossel. The fellow says to him, I'm your brother. It turns out that these two brothers, each, each were under the assumption that they are the only survivors of their family, and they never even knew that the other one exists. And as a result of this, the families reunited. They both became closer to each other, obviously. And Betish re-embraced his heritage and tradition as a proud Jew. And Betish, who told the story, said, look what happened on the holy day of Lag Baomer at the holy resting place of this great sage, Rabbi Shemim Bar Yochai. For a few moments, he said, I lost my child. But the miracle was, not only did I find my child, I found three. I found my child, my son, I found my brother, and I found myself. The story has many lessons, but I would like to focus on one particular aspect of it. Chabad is an acronym for Chachma Bina Das, Wisdom, Understanding, and Knowledge. These are all classifications of different elements in the process of human intellect. The third of the three, das, knowledge, in simple English means not just the ability to have raw information in the abstract, but the information should become personalized, that I should feel it in my soul. It becomes part of me. This boy Beirish didn't just remember a piece of information 
that his father left him before his passing in Siberia, that abstract piece of information turned into his reality to the degree that the information and his reality was so inseparable that even when somebody tried to influence a young child of 10 years old to let go of an ancient Yiddish-sounding name, he refused to because that became his identity. And when it becomes your identity, then you cannot separate yourself from your identity. They're the one and the same. In fact, Judaism teaches, and it's brought in many places in Hasidus, that das, knowledge, is the key to all of life. It's actually rooted in Kabbalistic terminology, in the crown, in Keser, in the crown of God, which is a conversation of its own. The Zohar states that the power of das is, the power of this knowledge, maftacha de kolil shit. It is the key that contains the six emotions that the human being functions by. All of them depend on the key, which is the power of das. And therefore, therefore, the way we use our das, the way we use our knowledge, and what we choose to become united as one to the point where it becomes inseparable of our identity will directly influence the quality of the rest of our lives. On the upside, when a person wants to change their life for the good, as long as they can find this key and use it successfully and wisely, then they can achieve the happiest life regardless of their circumstances, regardless of their challenges. They can always master the ability of directing their das in the direction that they would like it to go. However, it requires one commitment. It's called hisbainanus in the language of Hasidus, which means focused meditation. To spend time, lots of time, thinking about why is this so important to me, that in intellectual terms, the abstract idea becomes part and parcel of my own existence, of my own identity. In chapter 3 of the Tanya, Rabbi Shneir Zalman discusses how we develop love for Hashem, for the creator of the universe. And allow me please to quote a few quotes of the Tanya, which illustrate this point and helps us to transform our existence from no matter where we are to infinitely much better. Rabbi Shneir Zalman writes towards the end of chapter 3 in Tanya on page 14, Das is the expression of connecting and bonding, uniting with a very strong connection, with courage, and to anchor your mind. And to anchor your mind in the greatness of of the Creator, of the Infinite Creator. And don't let go of this process whatsoever. He says, because Even an individual who is very smart and bright, he understands it all. He has wisdom, he conceived the ideas, he has understanding, he dissected the ideas, he understands all the details of the idea. But, hine imla yekasher daite be yiska machshafte be chesako be hasmada, 
לילד בנפשי ידע ואהבה אמיתיס, כי אם דמיינס שב. אבשנאי זלמן says, דלתא רבא says powerful words. All your knowledge that we have, even if it's powerful, and we know how great God is and we can explain it and so on, you are not going to develop lasting and sustaining love and a relationship with God, except if you do the das, the focused meditation, because if not, you will only end up creating dimyoynes shav, an illusion, false illusions. You're imagining, but it didn't become your personality. It didn't become your identity. Yeah, you know about it in the back of the recesses of my mind. I know of the idea. That's true. But does it have an impact on me? It's not part of me. It's an abstract idea. It says Rabbi Shnei remember the power of Das. And he says this early on in Tanya, before he sets off on his journey, going through an entire holy book of Tanya, guiding us to success of a happy life. Rabbi Shnei says, remember, early on, I'm telling you now, this is going to work with a critical piece of information, which is you will need to spend the time to be laser-focused on a regular basis and simply spend the time to make it part of your reality. For a practical analogy, allow me to use the following. Most Americans love a good barbecue. As a matter of fact, probably most people around the world love a good barbecue. A barbecue is you take an expensive cut of meat, you go into the butcher store, you buy yourself a good cut of meat, you come back to the grill, you turn on the flames, and if you really want it to taste good, you marinate the meat the night before and so on, and eventually the flames of the grill transform raw steak into a delicious barbecue. What happens if an individual comes along and he's impatient, and he says, okay, I, I figured it out, you have to buy it, put it on the fire, and then you get to eat it. So put it on for a few minutes and let me eat. And then he tries to put it into his mouth and he's complaining, the meat is raw, they cheated me. This is good meat, this is a barbecue, it's raw. Every kid is going to say to him, excuse me sir, you didn't leave the meat on the grill long enough, why are you complaining? You have all the ingredients, but you didn't let the meat and the fire and the flame and the fumes and the smoke and the marination, everything together become united as one. It didn't take on a new identity. If the meat remains raw meat, and the fire remains fire, and the marination remains marination, and you never bridge the three together, so to speak, don't complain that your taste is not enjoying this. Your taste buds are not feeling the delicacy of this amazing piece of steak. So in a certain sense, Rav Schneir Zalman is telling us, we are all empowered and gifted with an intellectual barbecue system. Our brain has the power to barbecue any thought. We have a grill, and the longer we allow the heat of our mind, of the thoughts, to cook it and to grill it, and turn the meat over on this side and on the other side, and so on, until you can actually say the meat has been transformed, it's no longer separate of the fire, the fire and the heat and the taste and the marination and all of that combined has become one with my taste buds. It became one with my existence. When you manage to fuse all of those together, now you're enjoying life. If we go a little further on in Tanya, just briefly, I mean, look, in chapter 42 of Tanya on page Nuntes 59, Rabbi Zalman also speaks about Das, and he says the following words, 
Ach ikred hadas eno hayadio levada. The primary benefit of das is not just raw knowledge. Sheyedu gedula sashem. You should just know in the abstract the greatness of God. How did you find out about it? Mipi seifrim or mipi svarim from the mouth of those who wrote interesting books that gave you the information, or mipi svarim from reading books from the authors of the books. Elaha ikir hu lahamig daite bigdula sashem. Most importantly, to anchor your mind. He's back to Das again. With courage, with strength. Anchor your thought process. With a strong connection. And a few lines later he says, As it is known, if you want a soundbite, Das Knowledge comes from the expression of connecting, bonding, uniting with something to the point where you and that are absolutely one. So essentially, Rabbi Shneir Zalman is saying here once again that in order to enjoy the journey, if you look a little further, Rabbi Shneir Zalman says similar words. Here he's talking about how a person can have love for the Creator, for Hashem. And he says, Kol Adam Yisrael, every Jewish person, regardless of who that person is. If you will focus, meditate on this for a long time, every single day, a big part of time, obviously in the literal translation, but obviously for an extended period of time. How God permeates every aspect of existence, then automatically you will create, as he says, you will anchor in your heart Love for the Creator. He says, however, and this comes to us, channeled to us through the Moshe, through the leader of every generation, who is the representative of Moshe Rabbeinu, our first Rebbe in history, Moses, who took us out of Egypt, because in the soul of Moshe, that's where you find Olegabi Moshe, the Hainu Legabi Bchinas Hadash Abachal Nefesh Mi Yisrael. In every Jewish godly soul, as we know, we have two souls, the Nefesh Alekis and the Nefesh Abamis, the godly soul and the so-called animalistic soul, which has passions for physical things, like an animal who seeks only pleasure. But we also have a godly soul, and that is our primary identity as a Jewish person. So when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe, our leader, influences our soul because we are a branch of his soul, then we too have the ability to be like Moshe, to have a feeling, not just raw knowledge, but just like Moses, just like Moshe did, he had a real feeling for God. God was a personal, so to speak, can't say the word friend, obviously, but Moshe spoke to God face to face. He had personal conversations and privacy. Whenever he chose to, he was able to see God in person. So therefore... The Alter Rebbe continues and says in the brackets, Shahadas hu hamekasher matzpunei binas alev elpchinas giloi b'machshava. Mamsh. Das, this tool, this amazing gift that God gave us in the acronym of Chabad, Chachma bina Das, the Das element, the knowledge, allows us to take the secrets of our heart, matzpunei binas alev, the things we understand deeply in the, in the hiding places in our, of our heart, and reveal it in our minds, quite literally, 
you can bring all of those things to practical fruition all by one simple key, the key of Das. As Rabbi Shneir Zalman says, towards the end of chapter 46, just a few words, page 132 in the Tanya, Shadas Das is the ability, comes from the expression of Hargosha Benefesh, the ability to feel it, Benefesh, in your soul, in your spirit, in your psyche. It becomes part of you. So Rabbi Shneir Zalman is essentially saying here, the Alter Rebbe is saying, and in fact, later on in Tanya, the Rebbe quotes chapter 25 of Igeris HaKadosh, later on in Tanya, and the Rebbe says that's the key to anger management, which is a conversation also of its own, but in one word the Rebbe says why? Because when you will yeda, you will know what the Alter Rebbe writes in that chapter, and there the Alter Rebbe explains that even if somebody hurts you, the one that was hurt, that was already ordained and decreed by God in heaven. So it's not like it happened to you randomly because somebody else chose to do it. Al-Tarebbe says that individual will pay a price because they had no right to choose to be the one to execute heaven's prescription, let's say, for this particular individual. But on the other hand, it is true that they will be punished for their deeds. But the recipient, the one who received the prescription that heaven prescribed, that person has nothing to complain about to the other individual who inflicted the pain. Because it was meant to be. And to the point where Rabbi Zalman says, <laughs> we study in the Talmud, when the Talmud teaches us if you become angry, it is considered as if you worship idols. Because you lost your faith in God and you're essentially saying with your anger, I don't believe this was right. This is a mistake. It's wrong. Well, what do you mean it's wrong? That's what God ordained. So you're challenging God's decisions. If you're challenging God's decisions, you're a kafir, you're a heretic, who is considered, according to the Talmud, kalakayis, anger is equivalent of avedizot, of idol worship. But that's a conversation of its own. So we see here in real life that knowledge is the key to success. If a person walks in to a room and you see, for example, an amazing, beautiful piece of art on the wall, do you have to believe there was an artist who made this? That the paint didn't just somehow collect itself around this piece of canvas and turn itself into a gorgeous painting, but rather there was an artist that did this? You know it for a fact. Did I see the artist do it? No. Did I see the individual prepare the food on the table who set the table with gorgeous in a delicious setting, and it's amazing delicious food here? No. But I know in the eye of my mind, without faith, I know it as a fact, somebody cooked, somebody prepared, and somebody set. If I look at a computer, I'm right now talking to a computer screen. If I look at the computer, do I have a doubt that there was an engineer who put this thing together, or didn't just happen on its own? Obviously, that's a logical conclusion. That doesn't require faith. Emuna in the language of Hasidus, is when you believe in something far greater than just the mere fact that somebody orchestrated this, this world. That's something of logical existence. For that, I don't need the word Amuna faith. That's logic. But when I spend time thinking about it, not just knowing these ideas, but internalizing them and making them part of my identity, like Beta Spinwald, who took his father's message with him, 
thousands of miles away from Siberia to Israel. And he made it part of his life and wouldn't let go, even when he was trying to be influenced otherwise. That's when we have success with it. So if we look for a moment in the writings of Rav Shneir Zalman's grandson, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rav Nach Mendel, who was known as the Tzemach Tzedek, in his famous book, Derech Mitzvah Secha, under the mitzvah, where he talks about many of the commandments and their mystical explanations, a fascinating book, unquestionably, on page 46, on page Memvav, the Tzemach Tzedek writes the following, Das is the key, which is known in the Zohar language, the key that includes within it the other six emotions. All the other six emotions are dependent on Das. I'm just reading selected lines here. Because our emotions follow our thought process in the context of Das, of knowledge, Shahu har gasha, which is feeling. Bring your emotions down to feeling. And therefore, das is the key. It opens the emotion or closes the emotion. And that's the reason why, by every single Jewish person, his faith in God depends on leda, knowing God in an intimate, personal way, connecting. And he says, Once again, the das is the key to our emotions, the way we're going to feel about the rest of our life. He says, careful words, the primary part of a person is going to be the way he feels his experience of life. And they will follow, according to your das, to the way you are thinking and the process of your das, of your knowledge. And then he continues and speaks about just like you're going to be afraid from something that hurts you and you're going to love things that help you. In the same way, when you think about God in this context, you will develop a love for God. However, he says, when you're talking just about plain faith, we're not talking about the existence of God. We're talking about internalizing much more. And he says, Therefore, we're commanded in the Tanakh and Divrei Ayamim, in chapter 28 and verse 9, we are commanded, know your God. Don't just have information about God. It's not just about wisdom. It's not just about understanding. It's about the knowledge, the process of putting it on the barbecue grill of the mind and internalizing it to becoming part of us. And then the Tzamech Tzedek continues, if you will do that, va'oz ta'afayich le'ish acher, you will transform yourself to another person. You will improve your life in every aspect. Because your emotions will open up. And therefore he concludes and says, Whatever you can't grasp about the Creator with the mind, the rest of it, he says, That you should leave for faith. After you've already accomplished with the tool of your mind known as Das, and you've grasped all of it, and you've internalized it, and you spend time meditating and making it part of your barbecue grill. Obviously, God is greater than the computer chip in my mind. So beyond my mind's ability of comprehension, 
and absorbing the message, the rest of that, that already is faith. But to just state that God exists is faith, Tzadik says that's a ridiculous statement. That God exists, that somebody orchestrated it. Every kid walks into a room full of toys and he knows somebody brought all the toys here. It didn't happen on its own. Somebody created the toys. Somebody colored these toys. Somebody purchased it. Somebody delivered it. It's an obvious response to any three-year-old child. And therefore, from all of this we see something. That we have the key to success by applying meditation Anytime we make, for example, a good resolution. How many people complain they make good resolutions and they can't carry through? Of course you could carry through. The issue is the resolution is one thing. The achlata teiva, as we call it in Hebrew, is one thing. I am another one. And putting them together is not always easy. But if I spend the time internalizing the message, and I put the message and the idea of the message on my barbecue grill of my brain, of my mind, that it's cooked to the point where it's internalized, then of course I'm going to follow through because I developed a passion for, what it, for that which I've been thinking about. I've spent so much time thinking about it that I've become unstoppable. And I have pleasure from this. And the, the pleasure created a will. And as the Talmud uses the famous expression, there is nothing that can stop you in the way of your will. If you really will it, you want it, you will successfully achieve it. But when we say want it, as the previous Rebbe writes in another place in Chassidus, in, in knowing something is not enough. Wanting it is also not enough. Because the wanting has to be what he calls Ratzin Atzmi. A true part of my desire and will. Not just Ratzin Hamushol, a borrowed term. I say I want it, but I don't really want it. Which is the reason why the Rebbe says in, the, in, chap, in volume 11 of Lakot Sikhis on page 210, why are Hasidim so connected to their Rebbe? The Rebbe uses again this expression. Because we know, we've thought about the idea that through a Rebbe we realize that a Rebbe connects us to our Creator and guides us. And through the soul of the Rebbe of every generation, all the flow of blessing that comes down to us from God comes through this Nisham in every generation, namely the Rebbe of the generation. So in summation, the Rebbe tells us that Mashiach is about to come here now. The world is about to be transformed. That all of the goodness that from the times of Adam and Eve and from the times of Mount Sinai 33 plus hundred years ago and all the times throughout the generations and of our great-great-grandparents and our parents and our own good deeds, which we did long ago when we were little children, all of those energies will come to fruition in a revealed way. They're here already, but we don't see it. And they will transform the world and will have a Mashiach experience. But the Rebbe says in order to do that, the Mashiach experience, he's asking us to also reveal the Nitzutz Mashiach, the spark of Mashiach within you. When each and every single one of us realizes that inside of us there is an incredibly beautiful spark of Mashiach, meaning there is a godly dimension that makes us so much more beautiful than we, we ourselves give ourselves credit for. Because we see our blemishes and our mistakes, which are true, and we have to deal with it. But in truth, at the core essence of our identity, we are a spark of Mashiach. If you're a spark of Nitzitz Mashiach, and you reveal that, then your true beauty shines forth. So therefore, as Maimonides concludes his book where he writes that when Mashiach will come, what are the Jews going to do? 
we're back to Das again. He says, The world will be filled in that great day when the world will be rid of sickness, of illness, of hunger, of strife, all types of problems. We'll have an abundance of money and health and live tra transcending time, which is essentially eternity. All of that will happen and we will be busy doing what? We're back to the knowledge. We will have the knowledge of God. We'll enjoy the experience of living on the physical world, but at the same time, intimately connected as one, like a barbecued grill, where everything was united as one, with the infinite essence of God. May we be blessed to maximize our potential, to not be afraid of the scoffers who may say to you, oh, you're in the middle of a transformation, I see you. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I'm nobody. But I'm a representative of the spark of God, the Mashiach spark within me, and I'm going to reveal it, and I've thought about it a long time, and I've concluded that I prefer to reveal that beautiful dimension of each and every single one of us than revealing the ugly parts of our personality and character. When we have the courage to do that, then we're truly living our dreams. We're making our dreams a reality. And when we bless all together in good health to merit this, to see the day of Mashiach's coming as the Rebbe promises us, that that day is imminent, may it be immediately with the prayer of we want Mashiach now. Thank you very much for joining.